0: Who are watching will let me know. I'm just going to go ahead and go on. If you would go ahead and push the record one also. <clears throat> and then as another backup, if on the camera, you would push the red record on it. That way we can always upload this service later if we have to. It should have come up on your little screen on the side there with the little red dot that shows it's recording. You're good. Huh? It's working? Okay. So she said it's working this time. So that's good. All right, well, welcome. Uh, We did not have our volume to those of you who were uh, online there. We had to restart uh, our computer. And so I can do both of those things from both places. So Mike uh, took care of that for me. Uh, Let me just welcome those of you who are with us uh, there online, Uh, whether you're on our uh, Facebook platform there. Hopefully I'm still on. (laughs) There we go. Uh, Whether you're on our Facebook platform or you're on our Twitter platform at HBC Tullahoma or YouTube at Highland Baptist Tullahoma, uh, be sure to give us thumbs-ups, likes, hearts there, share the post. Uh, Welcome to those of you who are on our phone live streaming also. And if you need that number for the phone live streaming, you can give us a call at the church office, and we'll be glad to give that uh, to you. Uh, Let me just encourage you, too, you can go to our church website at highlandbaptistchurch.com. Uh, It's there that you can download this week's worship bulletin, so be sure to uh, download that. There's a lot of upcoming activities for October. You also have your children's worship bulletins that are there, so you can share those, you can print those, however you need to do that, and encourage you to take the time uh, to do that also. And then while you're there, uh, under that info tab, if you would go ahead and get tonight's prayer list uh, downloaded. um, And... Uh, we're going to be going over that in just a little bit. If you have any prayer requests, be sure to share those. I'll get my phone over on Facebook, and we have a few other people watching that in the service also who will help to keep us aware if you make any uh, comments there of any prayer requests that you need. If you need one of these in person and you didn't get one, would you just raise your hand? I think everybody got one. Uh, may, there may be some that would come in just a tad bit late. Uh, Let me just share one thing that is not in your bulletins. We just got it nailed down today. They just opened uh, the reservation system for it. We do have uh, reservations again for the Operation Christmas Child uh, this year, but uh, we were able this year to get some dates on Saturdays. We've never been able to get the dates on Saturdays before. It's very hard to do that. You have to be as soon as they open uh, at 7 o'clock Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. Uh, in the first five to 10 minutes, all the weekends are gone if you don't get it uh, real quick. So we have uh, a reservation for uh, November the 26th, which is the Saturday after Thanksgiving, and then also December the 10th. Uh, we have two different times on the 10th, so we have reservations for 16, uh, two different groups of eight uh, on the 10th, and then we have uh, one group on the 26th of eight. So there are some sign-up sheets, they are in- down the hall, on the missions bulletin board so be sure to check that out if you want to sign up uh, for that so i just needed to make sure i shared that with you of upcoming uh things so um let me get back over to my other platform here all right so uh we've already sang our song which is what we would normally do after i've done uh the welcome Uh, so uh let me just um bring us to our time A prayer Uh, we have on our prayer list there several uh, who are on our prayer list Uh, some that I made some notes of today that we just got uh, information on you'll notice on the friends and family side uh, the family family of Camille Westbrook Uh, Camille passed away and so we want to remember that family uh, in your prayers we just found out that today and then also We have uh kay fox uh, who's on our prayer list and she just got the information we got the message today that her surgery has been scheduled for october the 18th and that's knee surgery that she's going to be having so she had had some infection and they had to uh, delay that so uh, we want to remember her in prayer she has that uh, upcoming Uh, robert everett who's on our hbc family side he was here this sunday Uh, he said he's doing really good and following the doctor's orders and so uh, he doesn't want to get back in the hospital with the issues that he was having so he's doing really good Uh, and then um, we just want to remember the rest of those that are on the list there and then one other that I had to add uh, is John Olive is going to be speaking at our uh, men's uh, breakfast in about what is that week from Saturday, that's what I was thinking. So it's in the week and a half from today, but his dad passed away. Uh, His name was Howard uh, Goodlett Olive. Uh, He lived over in Murfreesboro, I mean the Maryville area, uh, and they're gonna be doing his funeral on Saturday. And so remember John Olive and his family uh, in your prayers. Uh, That's gonna be Saturday from 1.30 to 2.30 over at Monta Vista in Maryville. Any others that we need to add to the prayer list or any uh, updates that we may have? she's still having some issues with covid and recovering from that anybody else I'll see any on Facebook there I don't see any but just want to make sure those that are still watching we do certainly want to remember all of those in Florida and uh, the families of those who lost their lives uh, through the hurricane there and even in South Carolina uh, so we want to lift all of them in our prayers there are a lot of ongoing work that's going there our uh, Tennessee Baptist and Kentucky Baptist Disaster Relief are working together. They were assigned to Sarasota, Florida, but they reassigned them to Wachula. uh, So uh, that's closer to the area uh, where it was most affected. Their, the Kentucky unit is providing uh, mass feeding unit. They'll feed about 25,000 meals a day. And then they also, uh, the other units from Tennessee will be providing mud out, chainsaw, Repair there. They'll be doing uh, shower laundry units and those type things uh, also, as well as they have. They're asking for those who have been trained with disaster relief, who have been trained in security, if you would be willing to go. Uh, they're needing some people to help with security at the sites that they've set up at Wachula. So um, I do know that, but there's uh, a, a big need there and there's a need financially. Uh, if you go on Facebook and you search Disaster Relief Tennessee Baptist, Uh, you'll find the list there and the link there uh, to click to give specifically to disaster relief for our tennessee baptist convention i don't see any others or hear any others so uh, let's go ahead and go to the lord uh, in prayer for these prayer requests that we mentioned tonight as well as others that may be on our hearts heavenly father we just want to thank you for the many blessings that you have given to us we thank you for your loving kindness We thank you, Lord, that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins, and we ask you to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness, and Lord, to keep us on the path of righteousness for your name's sake. Lord, when we have strayed away, we have sinned uh, against you, and so, Father, I pray that you would forgive us of our sins, that you would cleanse us of our sins, and I just pray, Heavenly Father, that you would... uh, just do an awesome work in our hearts uh, and in our lives uh, to forgive us and to cleanse us of all of those things that we may have committed against you, uh, as well as where we may have failed to do things that you've commanded us to do. Lord, we don't want anything to hinder our prayers with you. We want to have powerful, effectual, fervent prayers, and so we just come before you uh, tonight, Lord, and ask, Lord, that you would uh, have your hand Uh, upon us uh, to hear our prayers, that we would hear your voice speaking to us uh, through your word tonight, and that we would also sense and feel your power and your presence uh, in our hearts and our lives. We pray that we have your ear tonight because there are many who are on our hearts uh, that we want to uplift to you, and we just ask, Father, uh, that you would uh, be with each one of these that we've mentioned tonight. Uh, that you would be with them and touch them and bring healing uh, to their bodies. We know, uh, Lord, there are other unspoken uh, needs also that maybe we haven't mentioned tonight, that you would just uh, be with those individuals and surround them with your grace and your mercy and your loving kindness to walk with them through the difficulties they're going through. Father, we know there are many that are on this list who... Uh, and and those we've mentioned tonight, too, that uh, just need your healing touch upon their lives. We thank you for the doctors and the nurses uh, that you've given wisdom and discernment uh, to to take care of these individuals. Uh, But, Father, we pray that you would uh, just do a a miracle work in their lives and show your supernatural power as you bring healing uh, to their hearts and to their lives. Father, uh, we just pray that you would uh, display your power and your glory and your majesty in a powerful way uh, that uh, as Lord, you do that, we would use that as a witness and a testimony. Uh, of your power and your grace and your mercy, especially to declare to the people around us uh, of the salvation miracle that you can bring into their hearts and into their lives. Lord, we pray for those who have lost loved ones, and we just pray that you would send the Holy Spirit to be a great comfort to their hearts, surround them with your grace and your mercy, and let them know that you are with them. Uh, Father, we pray that you would uh, just uh, walk with them through the valley of the shadow of death and help them, Lord, to Uh, be strengthened in this time as they lean upon you rather than their own understanding and father we want to uplift those who are just continuing to go through uh, difficulties physical difficulties uh, sometimes spiritual or emotional or family or financial difficulties we just want to uplift all those needs to you we know that your grace is sufficient for all of our needs and we pray heavenly father that you would uh, have your hand upon each one of those to bring about uh, your will and your perfect time and your perfect way. And Father, we pray tonight as we uplift those in Florida and South Carolina, uh, Father, we pray that not only would you be with those who have lost loved ones and be with their families, uh, Lord, be with all of those who are affected, many who lost their homes, lost their livelihoods, lost their jobs, lost their uh, their businesses. Father, we just pray that you will Uh, use the ministries that are going on and reaching out to them uh, to bring those who are lost to faith in Christ to strengthen those who already know Christ. And Father, we pray for those disaster relief teams that are serving in those areas. uh, Lord, that you will protect them, bless them, and open doors of opportunity for them to share the gospel. Uh, Thank you, Lord, for the part that we can be in that uh, through our giving to the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions that goes to support as one of its ministries, the Disaster Relief Ministry. Uh, And, Father, especially as we even give to specific disasters uh, like this with Hurricane Ian. And so, Father, we just pray that you will uh, be with uh, those people that are serving there and just keep them safe uh, through this. Lord, bless us tonight. As we study your word, and we pray that you would make your word alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And we just ask, Lord, for your will to be done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I, I know you—I'm just a little blur there in your bottom of your screen. We won't have somebody to flip us back and forth or anything like that. But uh, the main thing is I want you to get the message uh, from Revelation chapter 19 tonight. But we're not looking at the whole chapter— Uh, We're only looking at the first 10 verses. So if you would, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Revelation, Revelation 19, uh, and beginning with verse 1 through verse 10. uh, If you'll remember, and I just encourage you if you have not gotten... Uh, still, I don't know why you wouldn't, we've been talking about this forever. Um, <laughs> if you haven't gotten one of the prophecy charts, I uh, want to encourage you to let us know. We'll be glad to get you one of those. We have those in person if you need one of those uh, in person. Uh, you'll notice that we are past uh, the, area, the issue of the seven letters to the seven churches, the seven seals. Uh, we've gone through the seven trumpets. Uh, Even that little interlude where it says the counterfeit trinity, we've even gone through uh, the bowls here uh, and we are coming uh, to the end of this whole section here leading up to what we're going to see in chapter 20 uh, in a couple of weeks here, uh, the thousand year reign uh, of Jesus Christ. So uh, next week we'll still be here in chapter 19 and then we'll be into the thousand year reign that comes in chapter 20, uh, which is on that last half. Of your chart, uh, we still also have a few of the numbers charts. Encourage you uh, to get one of those. All you have to do is just comment there on Facebook. We'll be glad to uh, send one of those uh, out to you. Uh, so as we look at this verses tonight, I've entitled this section uh, the wedding, uh, and you're going to see why here as we get specifically into this. I would much rather, as a pastor, officiate a wedding than I would a funeral. Uh, I've had pastor friends who uh, they say they would rather do a funeral than a wedding, Uh, but I would much rather do a wedding than a funeral. I get a whole lot more nervous uh, at funerals because I want to be sure, uh, especially at funerals, that I'm giving uh, the respect and honor that's due to the individual that I'm officiating over their funeral. Uh, And I do that also at a wedding, but uh, it's not as stressful of a situation at a wedding. If you know anything about weddings and you've been to weddings, weddings are a beautiful occasion. Uh, There's always a sense of excitement uh, in the air, particularly on the part of the bride and the groom. Uh, And I know whenever I've had to go back to Mountain City to do funerals and weddings up there, it's always better when I have to go do a wedding, which was my last trip a couple of weeks ago. Uh, up there to do a wedding, and I was glad to be able to go for that kind of occasion. But what we're going to see in these verses tonight is that there is a wedding that's coming that's going to end all weddings. Uh, in fact, there's never been a wedding like this uh, before, and there's never going to be a wedding uh, kind of like it, it afterwards. Uh, the bride in this wedding uh, will be beautiful. Now, if you think about weddings, every bride is beautiful. Uh, it's, that's the whole focus most of the time on weddings is the bride. I mean, the the groom comes in with the pastor and they're already stationed up and everybody's up on the platform. The doors are closed and you're waiting for that wedding march to sound and the doors to open and the bride to come marching down the aisle and everybody stands to honor the bride because it is a lot about uh, the bride. Uh, This bride though, everybody's bride has been beautiful, but this bride that we're gonna see in these verses is the bride of all brides. It's the church. Uh, The redeemed of all the ages who have been bought by the blood of the Lamb. Uh, There's never been a more beautiful bride than this one. However, in this wedding, the groom in this wedding is going to be magnificent. Now, all grooms are usually handsome most of the time. (laughs) But rarely, if ever, is the groom more handsome than the bride is beautiful. But no groom has ever been as handsome as this one because this groom is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And furthermore, the honeymoon, this honeymoon is gonna be a holy honeymoon. This is gonna be the only marriage in history where the honeymoon will never end. Uh, When the the groom carries the bride over the threshold of their heavenly home, no one's gonna ever say, well, the honeymoon's over (laughs) because this marriage is made in heaven. Now, the scene that we're gonna see here is divided basically into two parts. So that's what we're gonna look at is two parts of this marriage. So before the groom is married, uh, he is first magnified. And that's what we see in the first section here that we're gonna look at tonight, is the majesty of the Lord. The majesty of the Lord. And so, uh, as we look at here, you know the the music at this wedding uh, is none other than the hallelujah chorus. It's not the wedding march uh, that we hear and we see. Uh, In fact, you're going to see in these verses that four times we hear this word sung out, hallelujah. Uh, Four times. In the Greek language, it is spelled hallelujah with an A instead of an H there. But actually the A A has what is called an aspirate uh, before it, which gives it an H sound. Ha. Ha. It's actually almost a hacking H. Ha. Hallelujah. Uh, Actually, that word hallelujah uh, is an extremely familiar word. But amazingly enough, it's rarely used in the Bible. It's only found 24 times in the Old Testament, and all of those are in the Psalms. It's found only once in the New Testament, and that's here in Revelation chapter 19. Now, the word is actually a combination of two words— Uh, that uh, literally means praise the Lord. And an interesting thing about this word is that it's a universal word. Uh, In other words, this is the same word in all languages. So no matter what language it is, uh, no matter if you're in Africa or you're in China or you're in Russia, this word is the same no matter where you go. Uh, Hallelujah. Uh, It's pronounced the same. It means the same thing. You may not be a Chinese, but if you speak to a Chinese Christian, they'll understand the term hallelujah. Uh, It's kind of like the word amen. Amen is also a universal word. Uh, is pronounced the same way in all languages. It carries with it also the same meaning. And these two words are heavenly words because we'll actually use them in heaven, just like we read here in this text that every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every people were heard to say hallelujah, amen. Uh, there's four verses in this wedding song, and each verse is marked by the word hallelujah. Uh, Each verse is given to to praising the majesty of the Lord. And so as this heavenly multitude that we're going to see here as we get into verse 1 looks at the Lord God, they are moved to say hallelujah, amen, praise the Lord. And so what is it? that moves this heavenly multitude to cause, if you will, the halls of heaven to praise uh, and to glorify uh, God. Well, look at verse 1, if you will. Verse 1 of chapter 19 says, After this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah! salvation and glory and power belong to our God. And so the first thing I want you to see uh, that causes them to praise and and glory to ring that out in heaven is the saving work of God, the saving work of God. Uh, And so uh, this great multitude refers to all the redeemed of all the ages. Now don't get the idea that only a few people are going to be in heaven. Now we know that that straight is the gate, narrow is the way, few there will be that will find it in comparison to the whole population of the world throughout the ages. Uh, There's only going to be a few in comparison to that. But there's going to be a lot of people. There have been a lot of saints throughout the ages, and all of those are going to be there. All the Christians that are here on this earth right now are going to be there. And if the Lord tarries his coming, those Christians who will come after us uh, will be there in heaven too. And so this great multitude there is going to be a lot of people in heaven. The Bible makes it clear that the majority of people who go through this life won't get to heaven, but don't for a moment discount the master's minority because remember Revelation 7 and verse 9 tells us uh, that heaven's going to be populated uh, with a large group. It says, after this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation From all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And so I would add to that also, uh, not only is it going to be from every nation, every tribe, every peoples, every language, but throughout all the ages. Uh, Those will be there. Uh, And so we don't always grasp that when we're seeing that. We think about just those uh, who who were in the past, maybe in the biblical days. But this vast group, what we see them doing, what this multitude is doing, is they are singing praises to God because they've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. They're in heaven, and they're happy to be there. And I don't know about you, but I can't wait to get to heaven. I don't want to hasten it any quicker than it has to be because I want to be used by the Lord as, as long as I can. Uh, but but I look forward to that day uh, of being in heaven with the Lord. Uh, there's one thing a Christian should never get over, and that is their salvation. And so not only does salvation belong to the Lord, but we're told here that glory and honor and power belong Lord. To the lord belong to god Uh, and i believe that there's a connection here i believe that when you think about it uh, these four naturally these four things naturally go together because we've been saved for the glory of god to the honor of god by the power of god or to put it another way salvation refers to the grace of god because it's by grace that we're saved through faith and then you have the glory of god And and honor to the goodness of God and and power refers to the greatness of God so we're saved by the grace of God but this grace is given for the glory of God which springs from the goodness of God which in turn shows the greatness of God so no wonder this great vast uh, multitude of people is moved to sing hallelujah what we trusted in, and Jesus as our Lord and Savior, has finally come to completeness. We're here in heaven face to face with our Lord and our Savior. That ought to make any of us want to say hallelujah. But then notice this. Notice next the severe wrath of God in verse 2 down through verse 3. So verse 2 begins and says, For his judgments are true and just, for he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of his servants. Once more they cried out, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. So when you read those two verses there and you think about what is said there, especially in verse 2, it, you may find it hard to believe this, but God is praised here because of his wrath and because of his judgment now the judgment of God is not a popular subject today people love to hear about the grace of God they love to hear about the mercy of God they love to hear about the love of God but they don't care at all about hearing about the God of justice and the God of judgment you know why people reject God You know why the vast majority of this world play along in its sinful ways, uh, kind of scoffing at God, if you will, laughing at the idea of salvation through Jesus Christ, mocking the idea of righteousness and holiness? We don't have to wonder. We're told specifically why people uh, reject God. And we see in Psalm chapter 10 and verse 13 that says, why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, you will not call to account? Well, that's what we find. People reject the God of judgment because they reject the judgment of God. They're saying, you're not going to call people to account. And we even hear those kind of arguments from people today. If there's a God, why did he let this bad thing happen to good people? Uh, where was his justice when this happened to this individual? Well, people reject uh, the judge the God of judgment because they reject the judgment of God well uh, I'm for one am grateful that the God I serve is not only a gracious and loving God but he's also a just and a holy God who will not allow sin to go unpunished now he may not punish it in the in the time or the way I think it ought to be done uh, but understand this we ought to be grateful for the grace of God and for the mercy of God but did you know that the grace of of God and the mercy of God is meaningless without the justice and the judgment of God. You see, God could have given me what I deserved, and that would have been justice. Instead, he didn't give me what I deserved, that's mercy. But instead, he gave me what I did not deserve, that's grace. It's the justice of God that makes the grace of God and the mercy of God so meaningful. God's judgment is really a reason for praise. The psalmist says this in Psalm 104 and verse 35. Let sinners be consumed from the earth and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. So in that one verse, you see the judgment of God and the praise of God, the blessing of God. He says, let the sinners be consumed from the earth, let the wicked be no more. That's talking about God's judgment. Bless the Lord, O my soul, praise the Lord. That's talking about his mercy and his grace and his love. And so you see the judgment of God tells us that Satan is selling a sinking ship. He rules a doomed domain. In other words, God's judgment tells us there's going to be a payday someday. So even though we may not see it right at the moment, don't think that you're not going to, that you're going to somehow get away uh, with, with sin in your life and that God's not going to judge uh, and, and that you're going to be able to say, uh, as they did there in Psalm 10:13, you will not call to account. Uh, you won't do anything. I, I can just keep on doing whatever I want, however uh, I want. Know this, God's judgment will come, and there will be a payday someday. And one day, all of the accounts are going to be settled, and one day, all of the books are going to be balanced. And I believe that calls for a hearty hallelujah. Well, we go on, and we find out another reason that they're praising God in heaven and saying hallelujah and amen is because of the sovereign will of God, the sovereign will of God. Notice verse 4. So it says, And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down, and worship God who was seated on the throne saying, amen, hallelujah. And so in verse four there, uh, we see a throne is a seat of power uh, and authority. And so we remember that the entire book of Revelation is to be seen from the throne room of God. 52 times this word throne is used in the New Testament. And 38 of those 52 times are used in the book of Revelation. Truly, Revelation is the throne book. And, and you know, Revelation has many times uh, had the reputation of being a difficult, even mysterious book. And parts of it do seem to be difficult to understand uh, without any question. You have to give a little leeway in the interpretation of many parts in this in this book. But the message of the book of Revelation is really very simple. In fact, you can summarize the message of the book of Revelation in, in just a few words. Jesus is coming again, and God is on the throne. And that's what you see all the way through this book of Revelation. No matter how bad things get, no matter how much judgment is poured out, uh, no matter how much mercy and grace God shows, the one thing you always see is that Jesus is coming again and you see God is still on his throne. And and so notice that that praise turns into worship the moment they see God on the throne. When God is seen uh, on the throne, Uh, When he's seen on the throne there, uh, he's seen as being in full control of the universe and worship begins. So, you know, in one sense, as far as God is concerned, uh, that there's, there's no such thing as an accident. Uh, the Bible teaches that everything happens according to the plan and the purpose of God. Now, that's not to say that he causes everything, but it's to say that he works everything that does happen into his perfect plan, into his perfect will. And this universe is under the sovereign will of an omnipotent, all-powerful God. And even though things that appear to be accidents, all, hap- all those things happen according to his plan and to his purpose. And that's another reason for saying Hallelujah, And then we see the fourth thing that causes them to praise and to say hallelujah, and that is the supreme worth of God, the supreme worth of God. You see this in verse 5 and verse 6. It's interesting to see how the praise of God builds in this fever pitch, and, and God's praise begins as a trickle. Notice verse 5. And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you his servants who fear him, small and small. And great. And so in verse 5, there you see, first of all, uh, that that, that praise begins as a trickle. So then from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God. But then notice that that trickle becomes a stream in the next verse, in verse 6. So it's just a voice that comes from the throne in verse 5. Then verse 6 says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude. Like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty rains. And and so we see that trickle becomes a stream in the first part of verse 6 there. When he hears the voice of a great multitude, then that stream turns into a river, like the roar of many waters he describes it there. And then that river becomes literally a cascading waterfall uh, when he says and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, All of which roar and roar, hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Now, I know that at times it may look to us as if the throne of this universe is empty. Where is God? It seems like this universe is maybe running on automatic pilot. We see violence, we see crime, we see uh, perverse things, we see profanity, we see pornography, abortions, rape, lying, stealing, murder, uh, and and we don't always see the, the justice that's supposed to follow. We see the darkness of lies that seem to be eclipsing the light of truth. It seems that everywhere you look, Right is on the scaffold and wrong is on the throne. And and even the Apostle Paul uh, could have thought that very, or Apostle John could have thought that very thing. Because you remember where he was writing this from? He's not writing this from some comfortable uh, church study or some air-conditioned building. Uh, He wrote this alone as a prisoner uh, of Rome exiled on the island of Patmos. So so he's on a a dirty, smelly island there, uh, confined there uh, for uh, this time that he's in prison there. And yet when he writes this, notice what he doesn't write. He doesn't say, oh, woe is me, Caesar's on the throne. Instead, he says, hallelujah, for the Lord our God almighty reigns. And to that we can say hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a powerful message we see in the picture of the majesty of the Lord. But then I want you to see the marriage of the lamb as we actually come to the marriage ceremony itself. The music has ended. The wedding has begun. But there's a big difference in this wedding. Because normally the bride is the center of attention in a wedding. As we said before, everybody stands for the bride. Everyone watches the bride come down the aisle. Anyone that's weeping is usually weeping for that bride. But not at this wedding. Here the groom is the center of attention. Notice the beginning of verse 7. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. So notice where he he first starts off there in verse 7. Where's the focus? The focus is on him. The focus is on the bridegroom. And and so at this wedding, the organist isn't going to be playing, here comes the bride. Instead, everybody's going to be singing, here comes the groom. Uh, This groom is the lamb, who's none other than Jesus Christ. The bride here, uh, called the wife, is the church. Now, there are several metaphors that are used in in the New Testament to describe the church. And the two most prominent are the word body and the word bride. And the church is called both the body of Christ and the bride of Christ. The church is called a body whose head is Christ, and it's called a bride whose groom is Christ. And so as the body is to the head, we now see how close the church is to Jesus. Uh, but as the bride is to the groom, we see now h- how dear the church is to Jesus. We have our attention called to two parts uh, of this uh, wedding. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. We see the lamb's beautiful bride in verse 7 and verse 8. Now the groom, uh, no groom ever had a bride more beautiful than this one. First of all, she's a prepared bride. Notice the second part. Of verse 7. It says, Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. So keep in mind that now, right now, the church is not yet married to Christ uh, in this final sense of the term. Uh, we are betrothed to Christ, we are a spouse to Christ, we are engaged to the Lord Jesus. Uh, you can better understand this wedding uh, and this banquet that follows by understanding how an engagement and an actual wedding was related in biblical times. So when John is writing this and describing a wedding here, everybody then would know what a wedding was like in those days, not what a wedding is like here in uh, Western culture in, in the U.S. And so what you would see in the biblical days is that young people normally didn't decide who they would marry. It was marriage first and love afterwards. The parents would arrange the marriage of the children early in life. But once the arrangement to marry was entered into, there was a betrothal that was even more binding than what we call an engagement today. In an engagement today, You can take the ring off and throw it back at her and I'm done and walk off. In those days, no. In in a betrothal there, it was more binding. This betrothal could only be broken by legal transaction. It was almost like for us today as a marriage, it has to be legally broken as a divorce in a court of law. uh, That was the way the engagement was, the betrothal was uh, during those days. It had to be a legal transaction like a divorce or because of a sin such as adultery. And this betrothal usually lasted for a year. Uh, during which the home was to be prepared by the groom and the wedding clothes were to be prepared by the bride. Now, even though this relationship was not formally consummated, this couple was considered, even in that betrothal period, as legally married. At the end of that year, the bridegroom would come to the bride and take her to his home. It would be this grand procession uh, that would set out from the bride's home, followed by friends and relatives and neighbors. Usually, it would be done at night. And the roadway would be lit with oil lamps held by the wedding guests. That's where Jesus tells us the story about the ten virgins, uh, the, the five who were wise, the five who were foolish. They had their lamps with them, but five of them didn't have enough oil in their lamps when the time came, when the bridegroom came, and they went off to get oil for their lamps, and they got left because they weren't really prepared to start with. And so that's that Im- image that we see here uh, of the of the wedding uh party itself. It was usually done at night. The roadways lit with all lamps as they, uh, that were held by the wedding guests. The bride would be adorned like a queen. Uh, she would be bathed, her hair would be braided with as many precious stones as a family could borrow or could buy. Uh, the girl, uh, the girls who had dressed her would accompany her as companions. The bridegroom uh, would be dressed in the best clothes and, and jewelry, and he would be accompanied by the friend of the bridegroom. Then the actual wedding would take place when they got to his house. And right now, in terms of where we are spiritually right now, right now, presently, the church is in that engagement period. You know that Jesus has given the church an engagement ring, in fact. At the moment of conversion, when we are engaged to the Lord Jesus Christ, we receive uh, the, the, the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're, we're told in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and verse 14, that the Holy Spirit is a guarantee of our inheritance. So notice what it says in these verses. It says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And so the Holy Spirit is the pledge that our heavenly groom will take back for his holy bride and take her home to be with him. Uh, I heard this story about a Christian man one time who, who said, I, I met a beautiful woman and we were married for 15 years and then the Lord took her home and then I met another lady and for 10 years we were wonderfully happy and then the Lord took her home and finally I met another lady and we've been married seven years and anytime the Lord wants to, he can take her home. <laughs> well, dear friend, one day... The Lord Jesus is going to come, and he's going to take his bride home to be with him. She is a pure bride. Notice what verse 8 says. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. So this bride is dressed as a virgin would have been dressed. Uh, this was the idea that Paul had uh, when he said to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, he said, For I feel a divine jealousy for you since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. That's the way the church is to be presented to Christ. What a bride this church is going to be. She'll be wearing the gown of glory, the ring of redemption, the veil of victory as she meets her godly groom. Uh, And this gown is going to be made up of her righteous acts. Uh, Just think about it. All of the righteous deeds, all of the righteous acts that we do, all of the holiness and the goodness that we demonstrate. None of that saves us. But all of that is going to adorn us as we enter into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you know what that means? That means that the better you live on this earth, the more beautiful you're going to look in heaven. Notice secondly here, the Lamb's Bountiful Banquet. The Lamb's Bountiful Banquet. Let's go back to that Jewish wedding in verse 9 and verse 10. Verse 9 says, And the angel said to me, Write this... Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. So when you go back to that Jewish wedding for just a moment, when that bride and that groom would arrive at his house, they would preside over a wedding feast where there would be a lot of eating, there would be a lot of drinking. This feast would often last for seven days or longer. Uh, Well, this feast that we're reading here is going to last for all of eternity. What a feast that's going to be. That's why we read in verse 9 and verse 10 there, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The food is going to be exquisite. The fellowship is going to be eternal. Just think of all those who are going to be at this banquet. In they come. I mean, look, here here we see what happens to John in this vision, uh, and we'll talk about who all is there in just a second. But verse 10 says, then I fell down, At his feet to worship him, but he said to me, "You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy." Well, in here, in this wedding comes the patriarchs like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, who will be there. Uh, Matthew chapter eight verse eleven says this: "I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at the table with." Abraham and Isaac Uh, let me get the right verses up here there we go Uh, with with Abraham and with Isaac and Jacob uh, in the kingdom of heaven Uh, the prophets like Isaiah uh, and Jeremiah will be there uh, as we read them in verse uh, 28 of Luke chapter 13 that says in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets where? In the kingdom of God. So in hell, there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth, but in the kingdom of God, there's going to be Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God. But you yourselves cast out And then verse 29 says, and people will come from east and west and from north and south and recline at the table in the kingdom of God. So there's going to be prophets that are going to be there. Uh, There's going to be the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ, who's going to be there. Matthew 26 verse 29 says, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. Jesus says, I'm going to be there at this banquet. This is a banquet you don't want to miss. This is a banquet you don't have to miss. I mean, you've been given every invitation, an invitation to this banquet in the sky. This invitation has been engraved with the gold of God's grace, signed with the blood of his son, sealed with the wax of his love. Everyone who's invited can come because whosoever will may come. So let me ask you the question. Have you responded already to God's invitation? Every invitation has at the bottom RSVP. And that comes from an old French phrase that means respond if you please. So what we see in this image here in Revelation, the table has already been set. The seat has already been reserved. The host is waiting. So if you don't know Christ, this is the day and the moment and the hour for you to trust in him as Lord and Savior. But what about those who are believers? What about those who have already trusted by faith? Well, for the believers, the feast is prepared, and Jesus told it this way in a parable of the wedding feast in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 1 through verse 14. He said, and again Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son, and sent his servants uh, to call uh, his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. And again he sent other servants, saying, "Tell uh, those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatted calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast." But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry and sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Verse 8, then he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there was a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. So, even though we as servants, what are we told to do? We are told to go, therefore, into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in, to invite them to the wedding feast, as many as you can find, the Bible says. Know this, they brought the good and they brought the bad, and when, they, when, the, when, the, when the master came, when the king came, he looked and he saw, here's somebody who doesn't have a wedding garment. What does that mean? Here's somebody who had not really trusted. They came, they were in the building, but they weren't a part of the family. So our responsibility as believers is to go and to share the gospel, to invite others to come to Jesus Christ. That's what the wedding is all about for us as believers. Invite them to come. It's the king who will do the sorting out. It's the king who will do the judging. Our responsibility is to go and to share. What a great wedding feast that we see here in the book of Revelation in verse nineteen, in chapter 19. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for your grace and for your mercy and for your loving kindness. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are and just being with us, Lord, uh, in this night and showing us uh, this wedding feast here, showing us, Lord, the the great things uh, that are going to happen in that day, that one day, Lord, you as the bridegroom are going to come to take your bride home to be with you. So, Heavenly Father, I pray tonight that we would make sure, without a doubt, that we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that we have our invitation, that we have our garment, that we're ready. We know Jesus. We we, we are a new creature in Christ. We have taken off the old and we have put on the new. And Father, I pray that uh, you would help us to be prepared and to be ready for that by knowing Christ as our Lord and Savior. I pray if there's some who have watched this message tonight or heard this word that do not know Christ as Lord and Savior, that they would trust in Him tonight. But Father, I pray that as, as there may be those who are here, maybe those who are watching who, who they've got the garments, now they're wondering, what am I supposed to do? Lord, I pray that we would do as the servants and we would go out into the highways, into the hedges, and compel people to come to Jesus. Because, Lord, we know that there's going to be a day when the wedding happens, when the trumpet sounds, and it's going to be too late. So help us to be faithful until that last moment comes. Father, help us to be sharing with others till we draw our last dying breath. And, Lord, I pray that you will have your anointing on us, have your spirit within us, and send us forth, Lord, to be the witnesses you've called us to be. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining with us uh, online there. Uh, We'll be back on Sunday morning, 915 for Sunday School, uh, 1030 for worship. You come and join us if you can in person. We're going through the life of Jesus. Uh, We'll be having a want to encourage you to come. It's going to be a wonderful uh, service this coming Sunday. So we'll see you uh, this Sunday, 915 for Sunday School, 1030 for worship. You have a blessed week.